0: When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can't always go. Downtown, when you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic. In brighter there, you can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go downtown. things will be great
1: when you're down. And we're live once again. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Solvable Mysteries podcast. My name is Joras, and as every week, I'm joined by Glenn Hikof. Um, How are you, man?
2: Hey, happy new year again. Um, doing okay. We had a little bit of a wild week here in the United States, but uh, I don't know, I think, think you know, uh, we're still, we're all still standing, so, you know, probably enough enough said about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got, got enough wackiness to talk about already today.
1: Oh yeah, dude, this is a wacky case, I mean, this is not going to be like a, a case that we do on our regular basis, like, um, it's not really a mystery, well, I guess the motive is the mystery here, yeah, so we're going to be talking Exactly. Um, So we're going to be talking about the Nashville bombing this week. And uh, yeah, uh, without any further ado, uh, I think you want to, you know, uh, say the beginning words regarding this case and then we could jump to, you know, the details.
2: Yeah. So, you know, Christmas morning, 2020, um, probably already a hard and and a pretty weird year for everybody. Uh, you know, I, you know, you see, I, like one of the first things I see in the news is there's been like this big bombing and, um, a whole bunch of damage, but then it, it didn't really look like anybody died, though. There were some injuries and that was, that was interesting. I think there was, I had a bit of a bit of a relief. So, you know, then I think as, as we're going to find out as all these details come out, you have kind of a weird situation because, you know, what if you, how do you think about something that's like uh, you know I guess we're on the fence whether it's a terrorist act um, you know or whether you know to be a terrorist act something requires you know politics to be involved or or greater political concepts but I guess either way when somebody does something you know kind of tremendously awful how do you how do you view it if it looks like the person had like some amount of conscience when they did it like if the person had, some apparent, you know, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say that someone did something really awful, but with like good intentions, even though, you know, obviously a lot of people believe, drink their own Kool-Aid about why they're doing something. But if someone does something that looks like they, they took some pains to minimize the, the actual physical harm to other human beings... How do you think about that? I guess that's that's one of the one of the the things we're going to think about today is when someone does that. And then the, the, I guess the other thing to think about too is that you know sometimes the motivating forces between behind what people do is is pretty weird. So you know obviously none of us are are strangers to the idea of people doing you know kind of horrible things like suicide bombings or your know, massacres or you know uh, assaults on, on different kinds of targets, both military and civilian, for different reasons. And it's kind of funny because sometimes you can you know, obviously if, if it's like your beliefs, then it doesn't seem silly. But your not silly beliefs can be very silly to someone else, right? Because we don't all believe the same things. We don't all have the same, you know, religion. We don't all have the same ideas of government. And, you know, what human rights are. So in that respect, when someone goes and they have what what turns out to be uh, somewhat outrageous or fringe beliefs, <laughs> at some point when you, when you know someone like that, what's like the line? What's the line where you say, well, this person's just out of their head because they believe in like, you know, well, we're going to talk about reptilians or something like that. But then, like, what's the difference between that and, like, you know, some of the, the bigger religious ideas or the, you know, the spaghetti monster in the sky, whatever it is you believe in? It's it's interesting to think about. Uh, so we're kind of going to tread, casually tread today in the area of, of privacy, personal privacy and, and your right to believe things versus the safety and, let's say, the rights of others to not, you know, have their safety trampled on. So... That's something that we're really gonna gonna look at too. And I think the other thing we're gonna think about is, at what point does something become a warning flag where you can, you know, get really nosy in someone's business? And so we're gonna talk about somebody who was living a pretty private life and was very paranoid and very protective over that life. And you know, on paper, didn't necessarily have much that would justify someone sniffing in uh, on their lives. But then you look at like maybe like other people who fit a slightly different profile, but had done essentially the same things. And, you know, like, especially 20 years ago, the FBI would have been kicking down their door and, you know, up in their business and maybe prevented what happened from happening. So I think that's going to come up a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a little bit of that territory. you know what I mean? Like, Like, yeah. someone's going to say, hey, you know, did this guy have some kind of, like, quote-unquote, privilege? Because he didn't, you know, he mm-hmm. was one demographic and these other guys, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, there are different demographic or different religions so like at some point did this guy get kind of a free
1: pass when he shouldn't have
2: so yeah i think that's probably a good lead in for the events for of sure. uh christmas day
1: right for sure so let me just um get us through the you know the events so let's start off with the christmas day you know december 25th 2020 you know christmas i would say noon um yeah Christmas oh no wait 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 Christmas night let's 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 remember this happened at night so this is I believe this is the Christmas morning right so I'm having this the timeline I'm looking at it it's 1 20 20 a.m in Nashville you know in the downtown area of Nashville 1 20 20 a.m an RV you know a recreational vehicle you know there's like big Vehicles. It really don't make any sense. I view them as, you know, somewhat retarded concept. Now, the RV, uh, Metro Police say, in, is involved in the explosion, was actually spotted in the area as early as 1.20 a.m. Now, at 4.30 a.m., you know, in 2nd Avenue building, an owner and resident Betsy Williams said, she woke up after hearing the sounds of several bursts of rapid gunfire now before we jump any further into this case i was actually interested to, in, in terms of like whether or not the you know person who committed the bombings whether he was actually using you know uh, guns because i don't believe in you know the wreckage they found any remnants of guns but i do believe there was a clip There was like a clip or something like that. I think you argued a little bit beforehand when we did our little chat before um, starting the recording. I think your argument was that he probably used it in one of his audio, um, I guess, cassettes or whatever he was using, like in the audio that he was playing. Uh, More on that a little bit later. But um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, if you don't want to add anything on that, I'll just continue on with the timeline. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll I just yeah, put my two cents. That was that was my impression. It, it didn't sound like. I mean, it, it sounded it was like somebody wanted to make it sound like gunshots yeah. were going off. So that was the intent, but it doesn't look like that person, maybe from that same safety-minded orientation, <laughs> quote unquote, for a huge explosion, uh, wasn't actually setting off shots, but right. was like playing lifelike sounds.
1: You know, just as I was looking into the timeline, I remember reading that there was a clip found somewhere you know unused clips so i don't think there's evidence that uh the, the man actually shot but i think there is evidence that you know like uh, at least bullets were in in his position at that point point. I mean, it's nashville tennessee i would assume you know you could probably own weapons there you probably go to like a walmart and buy something you know like that you know what i mean now uh jumping one hour later you know after a a second round of gunfire sounds. The same person, Betsy Williams, said she called 911. I actually have the 911 call, so let's just listen, in, guys, for the 911. How Betsy sounded, um, you know, when she called the law enforcement.
0: We got like a call about shots being heard yeah shots but now there's a there's a a sound on there that says there's a limited time to evacuate this area there's a large bomb inside this vehicle that is playing over and over and over outside gotcha and i was just concerned that that's the police car saying that
1: yeah so betsy sounds fairly in distress actually you know and she says that um there's this vehicle outside of her building um that she owned an apartment in and from that bill from that strange rv vehicle uh you know like notifications of uh, eventual ex- massive explosions uh were being portrayed to the public and she was really distressed when she called the cops i found it really interesting how like the police lady was just ke- kept like talking over her i mean it's just uh interesting now at this point it's 5 38 a.m so probably early morning hours right so the dispatcher says police are just a few doors down and they will uh, arrive shortly now uh about let's jump back to the timeline 6 30 a.m an explosion occurred so this is that massive explosion i think on the visual assets i will show the actual um, footage, the CCTV footage, fairly shortly now. The explosion occurred along the Second Avenue North. Uh, Metro Police said it was linked to this uh, same RV and appeared to be an intentional act. Right after um, the explosion, we have another nine one one call. Let's listen into that one as well, really quickly.
0: Um, it's oh my God! I think it's an explosion. Ralph, watch out! All right, man. We already have we have responders on the way. Okay, I need to go. Nine hundred and eleven, back it up. I want you to get out of that place immediately. Okay, I need to let you go. Yeah, you we're all getting out. Okay, bye. Right, thank you.
1: Right. So that's another nine hundred and eleven call. So this is after the explosion. Uh, we have fifteen minutes later. Emergency crews actually shut down the streets, and federal agents were called in people were hospitalized for unspecified injuries and you know the Nashville fire department uh said you know they're uh probably gonna be looking into this area for the foreseeable future um one thing to mention here as well is that uh the recordings i'm sure we're gonna get into it uh shortly but like the the, the sound recordings that were coming out of that rv um they in, like gave a pretty detailed I- like instructions to the local populace to evacuate the area so you know as you've said in the premise of this show you know uh, definitely it sounded like the uh, the the person who is uh one second i think i need to share the screen with you right i don't think you saw that one sec do you see it right now dude uh, yeah great uh so basically the person right uh who uh, made like the audio recordings um who gave like the detailed introduction what to do to the local populace who was living in downtown um he pretty much gave them instructions to evacuate so it definitely seemed like he was not out to kill people that's for sure now Uh, I just want to quickly finish the timeline of the same day, 10.40pm, A.M. I mean, police went door to door with dogs in the downtown area to search nearby buildings, um, though they said there was no indication of any additional devices. Uh, 10.45 a.m. the white house released a statement about the explosion president trump has been briefed on the explosion and will continue to receive regular updates the president is grateful for the incredible first responders and praying for those who were injured 11 a.m. several people were taken to the police department's central precinct for questioning but authorities declined to give more details uh, that details. Oh, yeah, declined to give more details on the same day. Um, Also, one interesting fact to mention here is that AT&T, I think this building and this corporation will play a part in this episode. uh, AT&T internet and phone uh, service was this Disturbed in the Nashville, Nashville area, uh, an AT&T spokesman confirmed the outage was linked to the explosion. The outage led to widespread 911 issues in Nashville area and telecommunications issues at Nashville International Airport, halting outbound flights. 2 p.m uh you know mnpd released a surveillance photo of the rv friday afternoon and asked for the public's help police said the rv in question was spotted in the area of second avenue north and commerce street after 1 a.m on friday um at 4 16 pm national mayor john cooper announced he has issued a state of civil emergency at the explosion site and the surrounding area that will put in place a curfew starting at 4.30 p.m. Friday until 43, 4.30 p.m. on Sunday. Now, the area affected are bound by James Robertson Parkway, 4th Avenue North Broadway, and the Cumberland River. So that's pretty much um, the timeline of events. I think, you know, we'll jump into the perpetrator, we'll jump into everything. I just wanted to give this uh, timeline. And dude let's just jump into the person you no know, responsible i think you have some information regarding this man right
2: yeah so as you know police and investigators start sorting through the, the wreckage and you know figure out what it was that blew up and start looking at the pieces of identification for who owned the thing that blew up they start to circle in on the name of somebody called anthony quinn warner and um you know I, I guess when you dig into him whenever something like this happens sometimes some some things are not a big surprise and i think we'll we'll find as you, as you dig into him that you know we've talked about profiling uh psychological profiling and criminal profiling a couple times now the past few weeks and you know i think you could, as, as we start to outline his life you'll start to build a profile In your mind of this individual, Uh, so he is. uh, His name is Anthony Quinn Warner. He's a you know white male. Uh, What was he in his? uh, I think his his what? Sixties. Yeah. That right. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, was raised in Nashville's Antioch neighborhood. Graduated from Antioch High School in the mid 1970s. So around the time I was born. Um, He worked in a series of IT jobs, uh, including as an independent computer technician, uh, contracted with a real estate firm. Uh, he also, uh, you know, he did some other kind of, I guess, tech, tech related or high tech jobs. Like, uh, he owned a company that was licensed to produce burglar alarms, uh, in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. And, uh, on the other hand, he, served two years probation for felony marijuana possession in 1978, but it had no other legal contact since. Now uh, I'll just mention just to be, I I mean, far be it for me to be fair to a a suicide bomber, but, um, you know, the the drug laws, especially at that point, because that's Nixon era United States, the drug laws got fairly strict and, you know, depending on, in some states, even a smaller amount of marijuana could be a felony. So, you know, this, is, this isn't saying that he was like a dealer. He wasn't Tony Montana or something, you know, looking to, to deal big amounts necessarily. That doesn't doesn't mean anything. And I think that probably his clean record since then speaks towards that. But, you know, a felony, uh, for those of you outside of the U.S., a felony is a major conviction. Uh, a felony is, is like uh, usually something that, that carries um, actual restrictions of your rights Uh, meaning you can't necessarily have a handgun uh, and you can't necessarily vote at least until you can get that back off your record. Uh, Sometimes there's, there's like ways to remediate that, but it is interesting later on that he had firearms uh, involved. So anyway, um, you know, he, uh, he had had kind of a, a relatively solitary life. I mean, if I were to profile him, he looks like somebody that maybe had probably something on the autism spectrum and that's not to, you know, discriminate against people on the autism spectrum because there are plenty of people on the autism spectrum, but I'm, I'm kind of guessing that especially given his attraction to like the high tech industry stuff his kind of uh, loner, <laughs> uh, social affect and, and limited social contacts. And maybe that the way he was described later on in this, the story, I would guess maybe, maybe something like Asperger's. Okay. So, anyway, um, you know, it, it, it,
1: yeah. some other stuff. Yep, go ahead. That, uh, I, I just wanted to add that, uh, yeah, pretty much he seemed like a loner, right? Um, I want to add a little bit of information. His neighbors actually said that he pretty much was a Sheton type of a person. He did own an RV, you know, that RV vehicle, and he had lost uh, interest in it for like many years. But then, you know, one month before, you know, this explosion, the neighbors actually stated that he regained an interest in this RV, was taking it out on a regular basis. In my opinion, it's a dead giveaway. I think we talked a little <laughs> bit about just like the just like the Ariel castro you know the black guy who was like dead giveaway i think this is a dead giveaway dude you, you own like a shitty rv vehicle and you obviously lose interest in it because you, you know you're probably like he wasn't a smart person so obviously he lost interest in that you know shitty rv now he like gains back this interest uh one neighbor four days before i have his quote four days right let's let's imagine this four days before the explosion let me just find the quote uh rick Laude, warner's neighbor since 2010 so a guy who knew the, you know knew anthony warner for like 10 years uh, told cnn money like uh, i i actually listened to his interview a little bit beforehand and you know he did uh state some additional information that he uh he always anthony really seemed like a closed off person he wasn't like participating in the community and, and stuff like that but you know four days before the explosion he said hey anthony is santa going to bring you something good for christmas um, the neighbor asked Anthony. Anthony's response, yes, I'm going to be more famous. I'm going to be so famous Nashville will never forget me. Now, the neighbors... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
2: that's a, that's a wrong, wrong answer. Yeah, dude, yeah. yeah. So
1: so basically the neighbor said, thought uh, the neighbor thought that Werner was uh referring to something good happening you know the neighbor was like oh at least anthony is doing something good you know for christmas this year uh let me be his quote let me be very clear he and i were not friends so obviously now everyone's like throwing uh, anthony under the bus here uh you you will not find you will not find anyone in my neighborhood who will claim to be f- a friend of his you know, he was just a legitimate recluse. Um, FBI agent uh, Doug Korneski said said investigators are interviewing people who knew him to try to learn a positive motive. There is no indication that anybody else was involved, he said. Uh, quote is, these answers won't come quickly. Though we may be able to answer some of those questions, none of these answers will ever be enough for those affected by this event i will say that you know in terms of like real estate uh yeah sure like he blew up the real estate but no one actually died you know and at at the rate that the fed is printing money i mean they could just like you know just buy like fund this whole place like it's not even a a problem for america at this point so you know who, who even like i don't know like what do you think about the dude like he he warned everyone to evacuate so i'm thinking he definitely you know he wasn't he wasn't like caring i would say but he definitely didn't want people to die i would assume right
2: yeah and that's the really weird thing about this and i I, because it does you know i mean especially given all all we've been through especially the last 20 years right i mean it, it is nice for some crazy person to actually look out for the lives of other human beings, especially of all days on on Christmas Day, um, yeah. it, it it's also interesting that for the most part, like I guess like I, I mean, obviously now everyone's kind of backing away and you know just dis- disconnecting them, disavowing a, you know any relationship with him and disconnecting themselves socially from him. But it doesn't. I mean, the the only bad thing I read was actually from his former lawyer, where his lawyer said that the guy was like super all business and not personable, and the lawyer described him as kind of a miserable human being, and, and apparently they'd had a little bit of disputes about how certain things were managed, so this specific thing that happened, um, this is sort of interesting as we get into this, but yeah. he actually he actually had like a, a legal dispute with his own mother, who's like 85, um, Wow. Which is also interesting, because it, it looks like there was kind of a... a, a, a I could I could do some psychoanalysis and say, eh, her age is not that far off of his. So maybe that, maybe you could trace back, maybe it was like somebody having a kid too early in her life and not giving him the nurturing he needed, and then you know here he is now, taking her house away from her. But he basically tried to give away her house out from under her, um, and then he got sued, and then as he lost, started losing the court case... He dropped his lawyer. Um, and so that lawyer had some not nice things to say about him. But that was about it. I mean, everyone else kind of said, well, yeah, he was kind of a weird loner, like not super friendly. But I mean, you know, the fact that that guy felt comfortable, like I, I'm not asking anybody who lives around me, but they're getting from Santa. So either that guy's got the biggest cojones in the world and just, you know, talks like that to everybody or... You know, he felt uh, okay to, like,
1: bust this guy's horns a little bit. You know j- what I mean? Just uh, a little yeah. step in. I I did listen to the, you know, interview of the guy uh, because I think he was, like, the weird dude on CNN who had, no. like, that that blue bandana and, like, that cowboy hat. He was, like, hiding his face. <laughs> it was – I don't know, dude. Like, that was a weird situation in the first place. But okay. I, I think he mentioned that – Uh, Or at least like the sense that I've got, you know, from listening to that interview, I think I got the sense that um, it was one of those awkward situations, you know, when there's like a guy who doesn't really talk that much and you like sort of uh, when you're like in close proximity of such a person who doesn't talk too much you want to, like, sort of uh, do the small talk, you know what I'm saying, but uh, you don't really know what to say to him because it's, like, an awkward situation. So I think it was that type of a situation where it's, like, you know, they were, like, probably meeting somewhere in the neighborhood, maybe, like, outside, you know, in the streets or something like that, and the neighbor was, like, shh, god damn, I have to, like, do, like, this small talk right now. So, hey, hey, Anthony, what <laughs> you getting for Christmas? Uh, and, like- and then, Anthony's, like... Oh, well, I'm going to be famous, my guy. You know what I mean? I'm going to just gonna take my RV downtown. Downtown. Just like the, the yeah, song, dude. Yeah. just Let's mention the song. <laughs> the song was crazy. For everyone who doesn't really know what I'm talking about, just before we get into the further details, let's listen to Petula Clark downtown from 1964. This joint was actually played in the RV before the explosion. So let's just listen into this joint real quick.
0: When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know downtown. Just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Brighter there. You can forget all your troubles. forget all your cares. So go Things will be great when you're Nobody...
1: Yeah, so this guy is a gangster, man. In my opinion, you <laughs> played yeah. that shit, you know, before the explosion in downtown. God damn, you know what I mean? I, I got respect for the guy, of course. I mean you know the
2: accident. I, I instead of saving it for the end, let me just ask you. Yeah. When someone does something like that, I mean, I've talked about this. uh, This is an ongoing theme with me. I keep on thinking that popular culture is almost like making, you know, like people feel like they have to do things now. Like people feel like they have to do those selfies and do, you know, like do you think that someone like this, they watch too many, too many friggin' movies from like the 90s, you know, and, and, you know, since then too many movies where it's like, oh, the, you know, Dennis Hopper playing some kind of crazed, psychotic, you know, evil genius who's going to, have every every little move planned and have the ironic background music to play behind it like i I don't know i'm starting to like resent it a little bit you know we're like is this person posing Um, when they do this i mean why are they
1: doing that it's hard to say dude it's really hard to say dude um i don't even know man uh since you know i'm not really you know i i do like movies from the 90s but i wouldn't say that i would be sort of you know influenced by them to do this uh, these activities so it's hard to say, dude. But um, I don't know what 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 movie in particular are you thinking? Well, I mean,
2: there's lots of movies like Speed, or you know, anything like that. Oh, where for real, Speed, you know, or or, Speed. or yeah, Speed, or even like I'll say even like any of the any of the lots of series like Dexter or whatever it is. Anything where it's like they're kind of making it almost attractive or like glorifying, you know? That, like I said, it's obviously like when one movie does it. You could say, well, that's just art, art or that's telling a good story when it becomes a pattern. And I'll give you I'll give you a good what I think is a good example. And that's going to way back. Columbine Columbine, those guys dressed like they were in an action movie. And I, I think that was one of the criticisms yeah. about Columbine was that, you know, these guys had had, you know, I mean, mind you, these guys are only a couple years younger than me. So like like as far as like when they were born. So, you know, just, we basically grew up in the same era. They had this freaking diet in the eighties and nineties of like action movies and you know, this kind of message like if you want to solve a problem, grab a gun. That's like that's like kind of I mean, I I I've noticed this in TV shows since, especially American TV shows. Yeah. Love to glamorize grabbing a weapon and the sunglasses and whipping the sunglasses off your face. And you know, the Matrix, case in point, I think was one where like it was the perfect mix of like Kind of glamorizing all of that, and obviously it's that was supposed to be in a computer environment, and not real. So maybe that's their excuse. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the Columbine tapes, mm. I mean, look at those guys. Like they're obviously trying really hard to look cool.
1: Dude, so when yeah. you mentioned that, I just remembered the guys from the Columbine shooting. They did look like they were from the Matrix, you know? They yeah. really did. Yeah. yeah.
2: Trench coats, the glasses, especially in the, when they actually did it. They're running around in the cafeteria with like their, you know, their. I mean, some of it was actually to do the crime, but yeah, I mean, uh, mind you, I, I, I'm going on a tangent, so I'll probably cut it off here, but the whole reason they did it, the whole reason they did it was about how they had been slighted socially and how they felt like they had, um, they had been, um, treated badly and sort of lost face in front of their peers. So, you know, certainly they knew they were on camera, uh, on the school surveillance system and that they were going to try to go out with a bang. Um, yeah, anyways, I'll I'll cut it off there for now. I think the other the interesting thing is, I don't know, when you said, like I said, once again, this is a cultural thing. Because certainly in the South, you know, just the neighbors talking to each other. The thing about L.A. is L.A. is a little bit notorious for being like kind of insular. We don't really talk to your neighbors that much, maybe unless you live in certain neighborhoods or
1: just like a certain the, situation. Just yeah. like Eastern Europe, like all of it.
2: Yeah, 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 I think, well, well, like, funny enough, New York, New York for, like, you know, all of the reputation of people being rude to each other and very short with each other, I have heard that you pretty much do know everybody in your block, like, you will talk to people oh. in your apartment, and yeah, yeah, so that's weird, it's kind of a weird thing, it's like the opposite of what you would think in a really cosmopolitan urban place, but that's apparently, like, like you do actually know, mm. like, everybody in the area, but yeah, I'll tell you, like, like, I never talk to my neighbors, like, I don't think I've talked to I don't think I've said 10 words to the people across the street from me you know in any for direction real, I, for real dude oh, yeah. I, I have
1: yeah. no idea what my neighbors names are and I've been living in the same place for yeah. like two decades you know what's funny dude they know me so like I,
2: I used to ride around here on a skateboard all the time in my 30s like I used to do longboarding with like a pole mm. like a whole other story but yeah you can like basically push yourself around with like a big stick on a longboard so like People down the street, they all know my name, and they're like, "Hey, Glenn," and I'm like, "Hey, what your name is?" You know, like wow. I, like, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, you know, but I'm I'm hard to miss too. So, oh well, that's on me. Um, okay, so I mean, yeah, I I, I guess the thing is like this guy had had kind of a weird life. He'd had kind of on and off relationships with people. So it's kind of nice to think that even if you're socially awkward doesn't mean you can't have a girlfriend and it was, we'll find out can't, it doesn't mean you can't have a girlfriend who won't call the cops on you about your guns and your bomb making, um, you know, which, which did happen. But I guess before we get into that, one of the things that came up right away, because whenever something like this happens, obviously, you know, this guy blasting music and, you know, (laughs) oldies through his rv while he blows it up but somehow scares everybody away so he doesn't hurt anybody i will say it on christmas day yeah. i will
1: say that that song is really nice like you know i'm probably gonna like play that in my car when i'm like driving around <laughs> like that's that's a good ass song you know if not for yeah. anthony werner i would not uh even know of uh Petula I, Clark. No,
2: no, that's 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 from well i mean it's a side side topic but that that's sort of during one of the best eras Kind of the golden age of American music, American pop music. So that's when there was so much money and so much quality and so many great bands and so many different kinds of music and American, you know, pop and rock and R and B. Uh yeah. I mean it was like I don't know if there'll ever will be a period with as much good music for real as then. But yeah, you you would you would you would for sure love American oldie stations then. Because okay. American old East stations, yeah, 50s and 60s music and then you know seventies yeah, man, that's that's interesting because you think about that guy, he's playing a music basically from probably his childhood, right with that that yeah, song. Yeah. he's probably you know under 10 when that song comes out. Okay, so when something like that happens, you know, just like when nine eleven happened or when you know Columbine happened or whenever something happens, people ask, well, like why did the person do it? What do they believe in? <laughs> and, and now we're gonna go through some of his beliefs. We're not saying, that this is why he did it. Uh, we're going to have, I think, one that he didn't talk about as much that we think might have been why he picked the particular target for his bomb. Yeah. But um, I, I couldn't help but laugh because one of the main things I talked about was how he believed in what is referred to in Wikipedia as reptilian conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> I never even heard about this dude until like Rogan started going into it the past few years. Cause you know, Rogan used to go super fringe. Like Rogan's kind of tightened it up a little bit where he's gotten, he talks to so many serious people now that he just, he has, he has too much, too much important stuff to think about. So he doesn't really talk about like as much dumb stuff anymore. Uh, Which is this sad. yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, he, he's definitely, he definitely still goes to the edges, but it used to be like a little wackier and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to say I was telling my wife, I feel like Rogan now, just from Rogan talks to so many smart people so many hours of the week that he's actually turning into like a semi-wise guy. Like you know what I mean? Like he's oh, talking he's to someone smart. that actually has I think he's yeah, pretty I mean smart. he was he was always clever. I mean his stand up was always just spot on. His stand-up was great. But I think that his level of education outside of things like martial arts and um, you know, pool professional pool and things like that, his, his kind of level of knowledge was a little bit lacking, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I think he really, he started to even understand things like quantum quantum physics, so yeah, it's it's admirable. Uh, you know, it goes to show you, you put enough time in something, you know, you can be, develop some expertise in almost anything. So, reptilian conspiracy theory, which I learned of via Rogan and then did research later, um, looks like the idea, I mean, the idea is kind of always floated out there. I guess there's always been in, in human culture from different cultures. There's always been, you know, the, you know, snakes have been the bad guy or at least a player in human mythology for a long time. Case in point, Adam and Eve, uh, in the Bible, but for sure other non, um, non, uh, uh religions that are not what are they call Abrahamic religions. Um, but, in recent times, uh, there's a famous uh, kind of pulp, pulp author named Robert E. Howard who uh, invented the, the Conan and the Barbarian stories. It was sort of this, this new era, 20th century, um, you know, like, like fiction. In an era when more and more Americans were literate, um, you know, there was a huge demand for fiction and uh, people like Robert E. Howard stepped up and provided it. And uh, in those Conan the Barbarian stories and some of his other stories, the idea was there were like these, this kind of like ancient race of uh, shape-shifting reptile humanoids who would uh, change their appearance and infiltrate human society, you know, humanity, to manipulate it politically for devious ends. And sometimes those, those were like unholy ends. Sometimes they were just about power. Um... And it's interesting because it kind of shows you how any kind of idea like that, I mean, can eventually just become like a religion unto itself. So what's weird is you have people that probably grew up as children reading that stuff or their their parents read it and then they read it, you know, like their dad was like, or their older brother was like, dude, you got to read this Conan story. And then over time you have, I'll, I'll just say one specific conspiracy theorist, this guy, David Ick. Who seems to have taken this uh, this reptilian thing and just ran with it and made like a whole career out of it, you know? And at, at that point, you're like, well, is this dude really believing this, or is it just like convenient to his wallet to, you know, write as much as he can and get everyone else believing in, you know, the great pumpkin? I respect that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I guess I guess it makes you wonder. If you're really cynical, it makes you wonder how different that is than a lot of other cults or religions, right? Depending on, on how much you believe those things do or don't represent metaphysical reality. So, okay. Then the other, the other part of it, other interesting thing was as UFO culture. And, you know, once again, I'm com- coming from me, someone who wants to believe in UFOs and extraterrestrials, but someone who also fully acknowledges that there's some high level of crap that gets filtered in there and liars and people that, you know, kind of just want attention and and it's a lot of mis, and even i would say intentional misdirection from different forces because of course if there's truth if you can mix in some crap that people find out about with that truth and make people not feel good about the truth then obviously like you've kind of helped undermine the truth right so that's I'll, i'll i'll throw that in there but anyways in ufo culture there's been this kind of body of work around you know when people claim that they actually met alien humanoids usually you know whether they're abducted or at a landing site or something sometimes sometimes those aliens were quote-unquote reptilians you know reptile looking and you know make of that what you will but that's interestingly where he had a he so you know our, our our uh protagonist antagonist he uh, became very fascinated with some whole conspiracy theory that I was just dying to find out, like, how this all... Because it was, like, some grand conspiracy theory around how somehow reptilians and 9-11... And then I, I couldn't tell if this was a typo or not. Supposedly, if this isn't a typo, he believed that there was some kind of massive alien attack that began on September 2011, so not 9-11, that's where I was like, I wasn't sure if the, the the papers and the reporters were getting this right or, you know, moving digits around the wrong way. But he, his theory had something to do. He had, like, apparently all these documents and, like, thumb drives full of videos and stuff where apparently he felt, he deeply believed, maybe, that aliens had aliens, reptilian aliens, in <laughs> the conspiracy, the yeah. reptilians that run the world and the Illuminati and everything else. That there had been some kind of attack that had begun on t- 2011 in September, and that had been getting repressed, getting suppressed by by the by the world's press, and and so I'll say right there, that was one reason maybe for him to put a target Whoa. on the communication infrastructure, wait, wait, do, right? do, do, And then, do, do, like we said, yeah, dude, yeah.
1: I have a question immediately. So, if this is the case, that that would mean that the press organizations are all in cahoots with the reptilian aliens at this point? That's right. Oh, shit.
2: Oh, worse than that. So, according to the reptilian, whatever flavor of reptilianism you believe in, apparently even some of the actual quote-unquote ruling families are either actual reptilians themselves or somehow interbred with them. And or just directly working for them, you know that's that's like the whole Illuminati thing, right? Dude.
1: That's they're saying that you've, yeah. I was scrolling Instagram yesterday. I was scrolling Instagram. Instagram, by the way, everyone who wants to follow me on Instagram, Euros uh, underscore Simon Instagram. I post some pretty cool stuff there. Um, if you if you're interested, you know, in finding out more about my stuff, you could go there. Um, I was scrolling through Instagram. I saw this post: Queen Elizabeth. Hasn't aged in twenty years, my guy. What the <laughs> hell?
2: I mean, she is like a billion years. Old. I mean, uh, I, I'll, I'll fully admit, she seems to just keep going on forever. I mean, dude, she, 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 she was repairing trucks during World War II. I mean, that's how old she is. She's like over a hundred, I think, right? I mean, she's <laughs>
1: no, no, she's she's like ninety. Yeah, yeah,
2: she really was. Yeah, yeah. What? the yeah, hell is she? She's ninety-eight
1: she's 94 i believe i could just like quickly check yeah no
2: look it up because i i was i I think she's past 100 she's uh she's
1: 94
2: 94, okay and her husband's also pretty old so maybe he's he's a reptilian too yeah i mean she's like she literally you know i mean she (laughs) by the way everybody is listening watch the crown Good, good series. Uh, and also,
1: and also, since we have a 10%, or I would assume it has raised recently to 12% audience in the UK, definitely no disrespect to the UK. I love the yeah, country. Yeah. I've, I've lived there for one year. I love the country. I love uh, everyone from the UK. I think you guys are real cool. You know, it's just a thought.
2: God save the Queen. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. not. Not I, Like I said, I, I, I have very, especially after watching that, that The Crown series, I have pretty, pretty positive feelings about specifically the queen. So, uh, you know, I mean, and plus she could fix trucks. So, you know, look at that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so, okay. So for all that though, what's strange is the thing that actually might've made him besides, you know, the idea that maybe these commun this communication infrastructure and the, the massive communications company, like we said, AT&T, which, you know, at this point owns like, what? <laughs> Cable companies and I think what studios, CNN, all these other CNN. Yeah. I mean, basically pieces of like the, the Turner empire, which, you know, eventually was part of the Warner brothers empire, uh, full disclosure, former employer of mine, Warner brothers, um, not reptilians as far as I know. Uh, for all of that, the idea is because this was a real hot button kind of conspiracy theory last year was the idea that 5g uh, that 5G was his real target. So, you know, short short version: 5G is a kind of uh, mobile broadband technology that uh, I won't quote any specifics, but it allows uh, you know your, your your mobile device to push a lot of lot more data and have a, do a lot more what we'll call multimedia experiences uh, both ways. So both receiving and sending. So you know you could stream. I'm assuming you could probably stream like 4K videos with that. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm assuming it's something massive like that. And that was the whole point. You know, it's always it's always been this push for better connectivity. Um, now, what was interesting was that a lot of people got super paranoid in 2020 that somehow 5G was like spreading the Rona. <laughs> I yeah, I, I I I don't, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, how did that get going?
1: Uh, it's hard to say for sure. I mean, one thing is that it's coming from China, you know, 5G technology is coming from China, to my understanding, yeah. uh, at least here in Europe, uh, pretty much, I think Huawei, you know, the Chinese company that has received a lot of flack for being, you know, in cahoots with the Chinese government, I don't really want to get into that too much. Uh, because I don't know the details and, you know, my geopolitics in terms of, you know, China-Europe relationship is not um, as good as it was when I was back in the uni. I will say that I, to my understanding, uh, uh, the Chinese companies are actually contracted by European uh, states to build 5G stations, right? So I think one of the, uh, I think, you know, what sort of, connects the coronavirus and the 5G is that both of these technologies, um, I'm not sure that, you know, Chinese invented 5G, but they are definitely uh, have good infrastructure or, or like the technology to build like that infrastructure in foreign countries. So I think that's one of the reasons, you know, that both things are coming out of China. And, you know, 5G is, you know, I've looked into 5G, uh, but not that much into it. I sort of do see the uh, reasoning for people who believe that 5G could potentially cause cancer in kids and remember I'm not really sure if you're aware but there is this town now I can't really uh, recollect it completely in my head there is this town in America that or was it Australia I can't remember but I'm sure if people look into it they could find it maybe even you have heard about this uh, this township or what not they pretty much recently had built i believe a 5g tower in the area and apparently like two or three kids from like the same high school that only has like it's a it's a fairly small high school two or three kids from that high school like got cancer that year so that's i think that was a big point in the 5g conspiracies that there is a town somewhere they build a tower now all of a sudden kids in that high school are getting cancer i will say that uh i did some digging back in the day when i was like looking into that story it seems that Uh, the experts are denying any sort of link between the actual 5G tower that was recently built Uh, you know and they don't attribute it at all to the cancer in kids it was just like it was just all I I assume circumstantial and it was all you know just you know it just sort of was uh, it just happened that way you know all of a sudden a few kids got cancer I mean it's odd but I think that's, these are the main reasons why the 5G is sort of, you know, portrayed as being some, I, I, I mean, I don't know, man, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not an expert. So I don't want to, you know,
2: I, I mean, I, I go back and forth on this, I mean, on, on one hand, it's like, obviously, you know, me, like, I'm, I'm pretty pro science and pro data. And I don't like to push a lot of theories that, you know, maybe just seem anti-scientific. I will say that when I was at UCLA, Um, And first, got into uh, one of my hobbies is radio scanning, so monitoring, you know, radio traffic of like police and fire and aircraft and things like that. Uh, One of my friends there was an assistant professor of physics at the time at UCLA, and this is like the early days, yeah, pretty early days, right? Like, like, like late nineties of mobile phones. And he said someone who you know, someone who was was, was like way deep into amateur radio, so very much used to like very high powered radio frequencies, both for work and for academics and for his own, um, you know, sending signals across the earth. Yeah. He said that having a microwave transmitter, which is what, you know, a a mobile phone is that the it's literally microwave, um, frequencies having a microwave transmitter that was as powerful as a watt next to his head or other sensitive parts of his body made him very nervous. He said there was, there was some issues. Now I will say also, um, case in point, Cheryl Crow, who was known to be a kind of an early adopter of using mobile phones and how he's having, you know, back, back in, in the day, uh, in the mid-90s and being on tour a lot. She was using a mobile phone a lot. She ended up with a, not a cancerous tumor, but a benign tumor on the side of her head that had the phone next to it all the time. Um, mm. Now, the other thing that makes me nervous is besides, you know, those anecdotal things I've told you is that from what i've read and kind of looked at about this topic it does feel like there's some level of danger that they don't fully understand so on paper on paper there shouldn't be a problem you know whenever you, whenever this topic comes up i say listen the frequency is being used and the level of power and this and that we've studied it and ran all these tests but then when you dig a little, you know, like, oh, it's fine, you know, nothing happens. But then when you 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 dig a little, you know, it can't it can't physically do it. It's impossible. It can't, you know, it doesn't violate that would violate the laws of physics as we know it. But then you dig, well, well, we don't really know all the all the we don't know everything yet. Man. And they there may be there still is some evidence that there's some kind of mechanism that we don't fully understand, something less direct that does have the possibility. Of causing problems. I mean, I'll say just case in point, one of the weapons that China was using against India in their recent border dispute. And this is also a weapon that we developed way back during the Gulf War for crowd control as a microwave transmitter, where you aim it at people and it makes them feel sick, and you know, kind of starts cooking them alive a little bit. Dude, I, I, the Havana
1: yeah, Syndrome. I, I mean,
2: the, yeah, yeah, oh well, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's and you. And I, and I know you have a show about that in your channel. Case in point, yeah. When you like, I mean, this is and this has been going on for a long time. With any kind of radiation, this is really radiation at the end of the day. Just depends on what kind of radiation it is. You know, some radiation is more harmful than others. At different powers, especially, it's so a form of radiation. You know, aim a form of radiation at something like you jump in front of one of those big microwave transmitters, you're not going to have a good a good day. Now the question is whether when it's more diffused and it's like in your pocket <laughs> next to your genitals you know, under your, your reproductive organs or other parts of your body or receiving signals or whether it's a tower next to your house or your school. And, you know, to be fair to those towns that had the kids with cancer, eh, there's a lot of crap in the ground too. Like, there's a lot of stuff that gets into drinking water. Um, there's a lot of other environmental things for sure. 5g is not the only thing that may or may not be able to hurt us. I guess to, to kind of polish off this topic, I will say from my point of view, I will say that I'm not at all confident that whether Wi-Fi or anything else in our environment that's owned by a big, rich company with deep pockets and lots of politicians working for them on the lobbyist side, you know, on the lobbying side, you know, when something becomes too big to fail, let's say it is causing cancer for X number of people. And just, 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 just anecdotally, just, just like theoretically, let's say, Let's say 5G was giving 0.01% of the population cancer. Are they going to let that become public? And is that going to stop them? Will, will people stop using cell phones? You know what I mean? Will people, people people, throw away their mobile phones because, you know, it's causing cancer in 1% of the population every year all, in aggregate between I'll, Wi-Fi and everything else?
1: I'll take the chances, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, but
2: then maybe it's like one of those things where they just don't want us to know. So exactly, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't want to get come up too crazy, but yes. I think our, our point about bringing that up was that was the thought that maybe even though he didn't say anything about it, he certainly talked about everything else. Maybe that's why he did what he did because what he did did massive disruption. Like you said, you know, what was the harm done? Well, the harm done was massive disruption of telecommunications for businesses and residents and agencies in the area. I mean, he really, it was like, it was like he blew up a, you know, like, like, like a freeway overpass, you know, in like a crowded city, yes. but
1: without that kind of like, you know, personal damage, I guess. Exactly. Um, one of the, you know, commenters on one of them on one of my Instagram posts actually, because I posted, uh, like right after uh, this bombing happened, like I made a little post of, uh, about this uh, whole situation and someone from Nashville Uh, actually posted to me that the internet was out for the whole weekend or something like that so the internet was out for like multiple days and now when I'm thinking about it yo this guy like this makes sense you know so just to put it in, in just to round it up he like I have this information that uh if I could just quickly find it uh just give me like five seconds uh right so uh, basically, we are the. This is what Daryl DeBusk, a spokesperson for the FBI uh, of Tennessee field office, said. We are aware the suspect sent sent materials which espoused his viewpoints to several acquaintances throughout the country because they found that on his, um, I believe. I think they found that on his uh, hard drive, on his computer and things like that. So he basically, that's how they know this information. And what we think, as I'm thinking, you know, this could have been the case. He was really into the, he sort somehow merged like some uh, conspiracy theories in his head, like the reptilian conspiracy alien. uh, I think he merged like the reptilian conspiracy with the 5G conspiracy and the press organization conspiracy and in the sense like he was i mean in his head he was probably giving the city of nashville uh a christmas present you know protecting them against like the evil at&t you know uh company Uh, because he did explode the building right next to the at&t one other interesting detail i want to mention before we uh, we have to mention this now anthony's mother Uh, was actually spilling the beans to police because we just as you mentioned like their relationship was like touchy you know he was like trying to swindle her out of like uh, some real estate or something like that right so she was spilling the beans she was telling on him to the cops and what she told she told that you know his father which would be you know the mother's husband used to work for AT&T and actually, FBI also said that, you know, and the, j- just the general feel from the press releases that we're having from what the FBI is saying, I think the general feel right now is that Anthony Werner was really, uh, that the main reason for his explosion seems to have been uh, at least linked with AT&T, with the 5G technology, and to some degree to the alien uh, conspiracy stuff and, sh- and stuff like that. So... Uh, I don't know, dude. That's definitely interesting. Um, one other thing to mention here is that uh, we didn't mention. I wanted a little bit to talk a little bit about it. In Tennessee, you apparently can transfer the ownership of land and property without, you know, the person who is receiving the property signature or without the person even being aware of that. So. Uh, the Daily Mail actually reported late on Saturday that a house worth $249,000 was actually transferred. This house was owned by, or at least in the position uh of, Anthony Werner. This house was actually transferred to a 29 year old Michelle Swing in January of 2019 by Warner and then another $160,000 worth home was transferred to the same woman last month you know before the explosion happened now this uh, happened with uh, some sort of a, like because in Tennessee in the state of Tennessee you can deed property to someone else without their consent or their signature or anything um this woman quoted you know uh, her like ownership and she also said i did i didn't even buy the house he just did it over to me without my knowledge so this is all very weird to me uh, that's about all i can say but i will say that anthony werner actually knew this lady's michelle swing you know who received the homes she knew this lady's mother for somehow who was li- i think she's like from california or something like that she's not even she's like a uh, entertainment executive from california so at first i was like did he just like pick a random person from like a phone book and like i'll transfer the deed to this person because apparently in tennessee like if someone in tennessee is willing to like deed their property to me like I'd, I'd take it you know because apparently it's that easy so apparently i, I was like did he just, like, did this to, like, some random woman in California? But actually, he knew the, like, he knew the mother or something like that of that woman. So it does seem that Anthony Werner yeah. was a an interesting character and that he... You know, he didn't probably have many friends in his surrounding area. He had a lot of acquaintances all over the country, but he didn't have that many acquaintances in his general living proximity. And I can relate to that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think I know a lot more people outside of my country than inside of it. So, yeah, that's, that's all I have.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess sometimes I'm like, well, I guess I'm not that far different than I that either were, you know. I definitely am not that close necessarily, to my neighbors and yeah, it's kind of, you know, I, I would, for a lot of these things, you know, as being someone who's a little bit socially weird myself and, you know, definitely not the life of the party necessarily, or, or who has kind of a, you know, I'm sure anybody that listens to me will notice peculiarities of, of how I communicate and go on these rants and have very, strong beliefs about things and, you know, get on my soapbox a little bit, maybe, maybe more so than people that like, are just happy to sit back and watch, you know, <laughs> watch TikTok all day or watch some TV series that's, that I, that I would think is a little bit, you know, vapid and, you know, that that's, they're happy with their lives like that. That's not me. So sometimes when I see someone like this, I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> this is, this is someone else who's, who's also not like that, but maybe this is like when it, when it, when it, when it goes wrong. Or, you know, like the downside of not being connected enough to your fellow human beings or being at odds with, I don't know, reality or, or conventional beliefs. Now, I guess we're almost getting to the point where we're going to wrap this up. But the one thing I, I will say, we, we'll, we'll probably, as much as I don't want to harp on it too much, I will mention that, look, like at some point someone did actually call the cops on this guy. So he had what, what was it, – It's the facts are still a little shaky because right now the cops – and the lawyers and everybody are kind of playing like he said, she said, he said with pointing the finger at who didn't follow up what lead. But at some point he had a girlfriend also in her 60s who I guess was in the in the process of getting worried about him and, and maybe they were breaking up. But you ever know like when someone's breaking up, how much of what they report is a valid concern versus, you know, trying to get even with somebody um, that they're not in love with anymore, you know, either way. But – you know, what happened was she, the cops get called and I guess I think her, her lawyer called the cops and they get there and she's sort of sitting outside their house and she's got two unloaded guns next to her. And she says they're, you know, Anthony's guns and she doesn't want them in the house around her anymore. She's worried. Um, (laughs) the criticism is that she was the one that was actually brought in for mental observation. But in fairness, I think there were some, some some aspects of the way that contact was made with the cops and some of the things that were communicated that doesn't, it doesn't mean that she wasn't also maybe experiencing like a mental situation, you know, maybe because of him, maybe living with him. Right. So for whatever reason, she was brought in for mental observation. Now there's sort of a, she, she supposedly at some point, either she or the lawyer or both of them conveyed that he was building like big bombs in his RV. And there's a lot of, once again, there's a lot of shakiness on the paper trail about what exactly was what accusation was made and how much follow up there was. Because from what we can tell, what I can tell, it sounds like the cops were like, they went, they kind of did some precursory knock on the door. He wouldn't answer. And, you know, they, they claimed that they asked his lawyer for permission and his lawyer said no. But then his lawyer's like, well, no, that couldn't happen because I wasn't representing him then anyway. And I wouldn't have told him that. So they're already There's like kind of two different stories going on, whatever the real story is. There's a sense by some people that like had he been, I don't know, different demographic, a different gender, different religion, different set of beliefs that maybe the cops, federal authorities, et cetera, would have taken this threat more seriously. And it turned out it was a real threat, right? I mean, for sure, something blew up uh, only by the grace of his (laughs) his actions and, you know, whatever deity you believe in. Uh, did no one else get killed, though some other people were injured? So it wasn't like people got off scot free. There were it's, injuries from it's this. It was uh, a mass explosion. It's a, yeah.
1: it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, for real, right? I mean, I mean, thinking seriously, I mean, you, like you said, it's, it's kind of weird to look at it this way, but gosh, if there was going to be something like this that happened on a major holiday of any religion, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that was like the silver lining that we weren't mourning. The death of anybody except for maybe this guy that that did the action. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I guess I I feel like there's still a lot coming out about that. So yeah. I'm sure by the day the story changes. And interestingly, <laughs> interestingly here in the United States, it seems like we've they've already forgotten about this case because of other, you know, stuff going on in politics and we're about to change presidential administrations and <laughs> we had a whole other <laughs> bunch of excitement. <laughs> yeah, it, it won't get into. But, but you know, enough said about that. But I guess you know I I, I know you and I you know, this time we had left, I think we had some, some semi-funny stuff to talk about with um kind of our reactions to this. Like, I, I, I know you had, you had, I feel like there'll be a little bit of a cultural thing between how like RVs specifically are oh, viewed. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, what your what your perception is, yeah.
1: I mean, I, you know, I didn't really even have that, that strong of an opinion. I just always uh, thought that, you know, RVs are, you know a little bit retarded i would have to say uh, and I, I, always, I always feel like everyone who owns them uh, usually like um I, I would personally cast a little bit of suspicion to those people because it doesn't really make sense i uh, have down that you know rvs are just like a shoebox apartment it's all clunky and a million things could break pretty much and I also don't really think that uh, there was a kid in the hus- in the history of you know uh of humans who enjoy it you know a, a family trip <laughs> across the street in the family RV like I personally to me that that would be hell you know like driving in a slow clunky shoebox uh like apartment I don't know dude like for me personally like uh, like an RV trip like for like six hours with a family in the RV I don't know, dude. Like, I think I would go insane. So it just—I uh, ended... <laughs> don't, I don't know, dude. What are your opinions I, on RVs? I,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, like I said, maybe this is particular a little bit to the geography of the United States because you're right. Like in a lot of other countries, they're just not that big. I mean, you know what I mean? Or and if they yeah. are, then maybe there's like bad terrain and stuff like that. I'll, I'll say I personally did actually have a lot of family vacations where you know. I was in the family minivan or station wagon, and, and we literally drove from like Los Angeles to Yellowstone, which is you know about halfway across the U.S. Right. Um, a lot of wide open spaces and stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll say the cool thing was, I think I would have liked an RV. Like for one of those vacations, I actually got to sit in the back of a station wagon, so facing backwards, and had like the whole trunk to myself, and that was actually pretty awesome. Like that was, I I, I, I guess given like what, what the 80s were but i think like if i could have been in like an rv where i could have like walked around and like you know like done stuff at like a desk or laid on a bed or gone to the bathroom or i don't, I don't know like I, I will say around me and i live in kind of like you know middle class housing yeah. uh, in los angeles plenty of the kind of the higher income people around me have what i'll call nice rvs nice rvs i mean i i definitely see even around me. Sometimes you'll see some like some like really high end RVs that are like luxury buses. I mean, but just, you know, it's like a bus, but the whole inside has been turned into an RV. Um, I've also been at like the beach where I was like, Oh man, I wish I had an RV. Cause I want to take a shower right now and like change my clothes. And instead I got to like drive, you know, 40 miles back to my house and sit here in my wet clothes or what, you know what I mean? Like, like that, like, like, or, or like, Hey, if I, if I had an RV, like I could, hang out at the beach, like for another day and not have to go back and forth. So I will say like, I think some of it is Americans because especially some parts of the U S are super spread out. So it's not that unusual case in points that Delphi case where you had people driving, you know, hours in either direction just to go to the park or something. Um, Maybe Americans have a little bit of higher tolerance for that. I will say from like a social media and YouTube and cultural perspective, I see a lot more people, Like there's a couple of YouTubers I I follow, like Nomadic Fanatic. Um, There's people that are like into like either full out RV life, even Tom Green. Tom Green who's like a famous comedian here. He's totally gone all in on like the RV life with like a drone and all this stuff that like the high end social media people do. But there's even people that do like a smaller version of that, like to your point where it's like it seems like it would suck. But if you are into like driving to like remote areas like the desert they'll do what's called like like van life. So van life is like the budget version of an RV where you take like a big commercial van and you put like beds and maybe a little toilet somewhere in the corner and like a kitchen and stuff. Yeah. And like these people will just tour the US. Like, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, I, I think because of the internet, people can actually like do their jobs while on the move. Now I'll tell you my final fantasy for that is that I think when cars can finally like drive themselves like affordably where like all cars have to drive themselves to me, that would be awesome because you could like, if the car's driving yourself, driving itself, you're not having to spend your mental energy on it. You can like say, Hey, I'm going to go to sleep. Now the car's going to drive itself all night to like Yosemite. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to like clock in at work from Yosemite. And then like go hit the trails or like go skiing up in like you know Big Bear or Mammoth Lakes or something like at the end of my workday, mm. you know what I mean? But like I didn't have to drive myself; the van drove itself. I've still got internet; <laughs> I've got 5G because Anthony Warner didn't blow it up. And yeah, like that. So I don't know. That that's I think. But it yeah. is like you said. I, I think. But on the other hand, on the other hand, in my neighborhood, one of the things we hate is when some sad to say low income or homeless person. And a really run down, like doors falling off of it, literally, RV comes to camp on our block and all these problems start having. Like we've had like, no joke, like domestic issues where they're like beating the crap out of each other in their van, you know, in in their camper. And like the police have to get called. We've had them like start stealing stuff around the neighborhood. We've had them like start using our hoses and our water and stuff like that. Like not me specifically, but like my neighbors, like literally wake up in the middle of the night and this dude's like got their hose from their front lawn and using it. You know, got them leaving trash, got drug issues like there is that downside. Like that's the trashy side. Like there's that Breaking Bad side of it. Like in that show Breaking Bad, they used a rundown RV like what this guy had. So maybe that's like the warning sign. When it's an RV that looks like it's from 1983 and the paint's peeling off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's when it's like, yeah, you don't want that thing around you. So nah. like, I definitely see what you're saying with that one. That's like, that's creepo alert. But like my neighbor who's making six figures down the street, when he gets an RV, like, I don't even see that thing. That thing's parked in his backyard or like, you know, in an alley, he washes that thing. Like he's taking that thing up the coast but like he still has a house you know what i mean he's not living out of that thing
1: yeah i mean i can understand that uh so yeah pretty much i don't think we i mean personally i don't think i have any more to say besides oh one thing uh this episode definitely was more of a uh, freestyle episode i would like to call that way so uh definitely guys who are listening to this episode um, tell us what you like about this because I think we personally enjoyed uh, this week uh, the freedom to not you know to, to have a more casual episode. Um, next, uh, also one thing to mention before we sign off, uh, we also have uh, planned for the next week an actual mystery for you guys. So I know uh, for the last few weeks we haven't really talked about a mystery, and you know hence this is the Solvable Mysteries podcast. We do have a a, a real mystery next week for you guys. So we're excited to talk about that it's uh, i think you know i think uh, you and me are especially interested in that case like i'm really interested so that's going to be fun to research uh but i will say today we had like a more freestyle episode where we just casually talked about things uh let uh guys just uh, let us know what you think in the comments do you like us talking uh just more like freely uh less structured you know i think uh, I think we enjoyed ourselves probably a little bit more this uh, week than for, say, when we were doing those super in-depth, like, detailed things. So, I don't know, man. We'll probably return to those on some cases, but uh, I'm just going to mention that I really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, leave leave your thoughts in the comments section. Um, what do you think about this uh, format? And, uh, Glenn, you got anything to mention to our audience before we sign off? Hey,
2: uh... Thanks again for all the great support every day. We get so many great comments, so much good feedback. And uh, I do want you to, to, to know that when you write us a comment and you ask about, ask if we can cover a specific topic, we see it. We see every single one of your comments. And when you put it there, just to let you know, it is the right place. Um, you can also, of course, get us on social media like Facebook, Twitter, on Instagram. But yeah, if you, on YouTube, if you leave a comment, and ask hey can you please cover x topic we're going to put it on the list so you know thank you once
1: again exactly guys this was episode number 79 the nashville bombings um catch us next week on episode 80 we're going to be talking about a really cool mystery and for now just uh you know as always chill out and peace out